Hello, and welcome to Hugenhoff Podcast, episode 130. Today we will be continuing the Gilfaginning series, um, or the Eddas. But before I do that, I want to go ahead and quickly go over station news. So if you want to check out my website, feel free to do so. You can do that at hugenhoff.org. That's H-U-G-I-N-H-O-F.org. And uh, there's some links there. Subscribe to my podcast. And if you want to read a good book, you can check out Steve's books. Just go to Amazon.com, type in Stephen Oaks, and he's got a bunch of them. Also, that link is in the show notes. If you want to check out my book, you can do that as well. Same thing. Go to Amazon.com, type in Byron Rogers Lightbringer, and my book will be there. So I think that's all. And I'm going to keep it short and just jump into the topic today, which is, as I said, Theta. All right, I like this series. So this series is probably going to go on for a while. We're still early in the book. And I am purposely letting myself get sidetracked because a lot of these topics would be good podcasts uh, as standalone episodes. But I don't always think of them as standalone stand standalone episodes. So it's nice that I can come across them organically in the book and then just make that the episode, uh, the topic of the episode. All right, now let's try to remember where we were. Um, Oh, we were talking about dwarves, I believe. So I'm just going to, I'll just start here. Um, If anyone's following along, I'm on page 16 and the first natural break in the page. Thus it says in Valsapa, then went all the powers to their judgment seats, most holy gods, and deliberated upon this, that a troop of dwarves should be created from bloody surf and from Blaine's bones. There man forms, many were made, dwarves in the earth, as Duran said. Oh, and then we went through the name of the dwarves, and I believe that's where we said. And the names of the dwarves say the prophetess are these, and then it goes through all the names of the dwarves, which we went through. But these are also dwarves that live in rocks, whereas the previous ones lived in soil, and then more, because there's different types of dwarves. And then a few more. But these, okay, yeah, these are just the different names of the dwarves. So I think I had mentioned that there's a lot of good dwarf names in this book. And uh, the really important ones that come up all the time are Nordry, Sudri, Austria, and Vestri, which are the four cardinal directions. And, of course, I thought it was interesting that Gandalf was in this list of names because that's obviously Gandalf from Lord of the Rings. And I wonder if this is where that name came from. I don't know if that's true, but it could be. Okay, so we've named all of the dwarves. Now, moving on. Thus thus spoke Ganglary. Where is the chief, center, or holy place of the gods? High, reply, High replied, it is at the, the Ash Yggdrasil. There the gods must hold their courts each day. Then spoke Ganglary. What is there to tell about that place? Then said just as High, the ash is of all trees the biggest and best. And best. Its branches spread out over the world and extend across the sky. Three 
three of the tree's roots support it and extend very, very far. One is among the Aesir, the second among the frost giants, where Ginnigap once was. The third extends over Niflheim, and under the root is Hilvgelmir, Hilv and Needhog gnaws the bottom of the roots. But under the root that reaches towards the frost giants, there is where Mimir's well is, which has wisdom and intelligence contained in it. And the master of the well is called Mimir. He is full of learning because he drinks of the well from the horn Gilaharn. All father went there and asked for a single drink from the well, but he did not get one until he placed his eye as pledge. Thus it says in Valsapa. Okay, kind of a lot happened there, so let's just take a quick little break. Um, it's talking about Yggdrasil, which is the world tree. So that's like, oh, how do you put it? Uh, the mythological shape of the cosmos. It's not a place on Earth because Earth or Midgard or the material plane is on the world tree. So that's just getting our head in the right place. Um, it talks about the three roots that extend it. I thought that was cool. It says one is among the Aesir, the second the Frost Giants, and that's where Ginnigap once, wa once was, and the third extends over Niflheim. Um, so if you want to draw a picture of the World Tree, which you'll find lots of depictions of the World Tree and different ways that it's set up, um, I find that really hard to do because there's lots of different descriptions of the world tree and uh, sometimes they don't all match up. Um, this one's talking about one of the roots being among the Aesir, which would be presumably in Asgard, but Asgard is normally in most of the pictures depicted on the top of the world tree, so uh, I don't know. That's something interesting to think about, I suppose. Uh, like, what is the shape of the world tree? Um, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of good depictions out there of it, but it's, it's hard to get a really consistent one where we know where everything fits. Uh, but they do mention Needhog, the dragon that gnaws at the bottom of the tree. And I think that's probably significant because in everything there's always balance. And you have something like uh, Yggdrasil, the symbol of life. There's also kind of a symbol of death with the dragon or decay. Maybe he's gnawing at the roots. He's destroying the roots. So... I guess what I'm getting at is there's never like a black and white situation where something is quote unquote all good or quote unquote all bad. There's always a balance of things, which is a theme that comes up over and over again in Norse mythology, but just in the world in general. And I really like that theme that there's not good versus evil or it, or something like that. It's more like everything needs to exist in a balance. Okay, so kind of moving on from that, what did we say next? It talks about the well of 
Mamur. Let's read that again where it mentions it. But under the route that reaches towards the French giants, there is where Mamur's well is, which has wisdom and intelligence contained in it. Okay, so now we're going to be getting into Mamur's well and I don't know, arguably one of the most famous stories of how Odin drinks from the well. Like what is, quote unquote, the most famous in Norse mythology? I feel like there's a lot of stories that contend for that. But Odin drinking from the well of Mamur and getting the runes is definitely high on that list of most famous stories. So we're, we're getting into that. Thus it says in Valsapa, I know... I know it all, Odin, where you deposited your eye in that renowned well of Mimir. Mimir drinks mead every morning from Valfather's Pledge. Know you yet or what? All right, so I might come back to this if more things are mentioned in the story, but this is a pretty big story, so I'm going to touch on it at least a little bit. I'm, I'm sure everybody knows the story. Short version... Odin wanted to drink from the well of Mamur because there's knowledge and wisdom contained in that well. So I went up to Mamur and he's like, hey, can I drink from your well? And Mamur was like, no. And he was like, well, just let me drink from your well. I'll give you whatever you want. It's important. And then Mamur was like, okay, throw your eye in there and pull your own eye out and throw it in there. Then you can drink from it. So Odin was like, okay, and dead. And then, kind of connected to the same story, he drank from the well of Mamur, and then he hung himself upside down for nine days and nine nights. And on the ninth day, night, he pulled the runes out of the well, and that's where humanity gets the runes. Runes were ultimately connected to language, specifically a written language. So that's the short version of the story. There's a couple lessons in there. The most obvious is that Odin is really concerned with knowledge and wisdom and knowing things. Like he wanted the wisdom that was contained in that well, and there was no other way to get that wisdom other than sacrificing his eye. So he didn't, it says in the story that he does not hesitate. He just willingly like plucks his own eye out, which obviously is a pretty big sacrifice and would be hard to do for most people, but he's willing to do that for the well. So he throws his eye in the well, and then he drinks of it. I think it's also important that he doesn't give his eye to Mamur. He throws his eye in the well. So now he has one eye, the one he didn't take out, in the physical world, and then another eye in this well, which is a world of knowledge and wisdom. So you kind of have this interesting idea where Odin has an eye in both worlds. He's got the eye in the physical world like everybody else does, but he also has this eye in the magical world or the mysterious world or the spiritual world. And I think that's probably significant. I think that's a big, a big part of the story, that he has his well in both worlds. And then I also think it's interesting that he pulls the runes out of the well because the runes are ultimately the basis and formation of a written language for the Norse people. And Odin ends up giving the runes to the people. But now we have this idea that Odin exists in the real world, but part of him, his eye, lets him see in 
a world that is full of wisdom and it's also the world that language and letters come from which if you go back to think about how magic works or at least some theories on it it's all about manipulating the magical world or the world of ideas using language to get some sort of result you know the classic like a spell it like a magic spell has has the word spell like spelling words right in there there's a lot of connection between language and magic or was in the old days i mean i think still is so you've got this idea that magic or that odin a god of magic has put part of himself his eye into the world where magic originates the world of language and i think that's a pretty big part of what the story is about. Yes, the sacrifice is extremely important, but that other part that Odin is now like a split being who exists in the physical and magical world both is a pretty interesting part of the story. And of course, it's only through that sacrifice that we're able to have runes in the first place. Okay, so I, I'm sure I've talked about that before, so I'll go ahead and move on. The third, the third root of the ash extends to heaven, and beneath that root is a well which is very holy called Weird's Well. Weird's Well. Okay, okay, so back to the putting everything on the world tree. I'll reread this. The third root of the ash extends to heaven. So I guess Asgard is still higher than the other places, but the root grows up. I guess you're allowed to do that with like mythological things. They don't have to follow the laws of nature because they're not physically, they're not nature things. But it's weird to think of a root growing up to me. So I guess two of these roots grow down towards um, Jotunheim and Niflheim, but then the third root grows up. Uh, that seems weird, but that's what it says. So I guess the third root grows up. Maybe they're trying to get like the found, the most foundational things about existence is like the giants and the gods and then Niflheim which is more like maybe primordial so you've got like giants gods and primordial uncontrollable icy forces maybe that's probably what they're getting at roots growing up is weird to me but let's go on the third root of the ash extends to wait the third root of the ash extends to heaven and beneath that root is a well which is called which is very holy called weird's well there the gods have their court every day the Aesir ride there up over bifrost it is also called asbridge the names of the Aesir's horses are as follows best is slepnir he is odin's he has eight legs Second is Glad, third is Giller, and fourth Glare. Fifth, Skydbreamer, sixth, Silftrop, seventh, Sinner, eighth, Gilns, ninth, Valhofner, tenth, Goldtop, Latefti, eleventh. Baldur's, Baldur's horse was burned with him. And Thor walks to the court in Wade's rivers, whose names are Cormpton, Ormpt, and two Carelogs. There shall Thor wade every day when he is to judge at the Ash Yggdrasil. For as a for Asbridge burns with flames the holy wait. For Asbridge burns all with flame the holy waters boil. 
Okay, so what this is talking about is, uh, first of all, Weird's Well has a lot to do with fate, so I'm going to just throw that out there. They haven't talked about it, so maybe I won't too much, but it's very much connected to fate. And all of the gods are able to cross over um, the bridge. The Oh, and this is, B-Frost is the rainbow bridge, in case anyone's forgotten. It's that's like what rainbows are, quote unquote. Um, but all the gods are able to go over that except for Thor. And Thor specifically can't go over it because he is half giant. So that's why he has to wade through the water. But it's sort of harkening back to that thing we talked about earlier where it said that Thor or where it said the giants could not cross the bridge. And they're like, well, isn't it? kind of a not so good bridge if giants can't cross and they're like no it's on purpose because we don't want the giants to invade so this is kind of an inconvenience for thor being half giant he cannot cross the bridge but that's why because they don't want the giants to be able to cross it so oh and then here uh reading this again um so this thing where it says and thor walks to the court and wades rivers whose names are and then just like copy paste the stanza of the Valsapa in here so the Valsapa makes references to things that aren't relevant not aren't relevant but they're not talking about here so that last part Cormpton Ormed and two Kerlogs these shall Thord wade every day when he is to judge at the Ash Yggdrasil for Asbridge burns all with flames the holy water boils those last two sentences for Asbridge bridge burns all with flames the holy water boils they're referencing the um they're referencing ragnarok where the bridge the bifrost bridge will burn and the waters will boil and he's they're kind of saying like he has to do that because he's half giant and the bridge is going to fall down when the full giants walk over it okay then spoke in glary does fire burn over Bifrost? High said, The red you see in the rainbow is burning fire. The frost giants and mountain giants would go up into heaven if Bifrost was crossable by everyone that wanted to go. All right, I sort of already talked about that. There are many beautiful places in heaven, and everywhere there has divine protection round it. There stands... There stands there one beautiful hall under the ash by the well, and out of this hall come three maidens whose names are Weird, Verdandi, and Scald. These maidens shape men's lives. We call them Norns. There are other Norns who visit everyone when they are born to shape their lives. And there are and these are of divine origin, though others are of the race of elves, and a third group are of a race of dwarves, as it says here. Okay, quickly, Weird Verdandian Skull. You will often hear it, more often hear it, Erd Verdandian Skull. But those are the three fates, which I feel like most religions have fates of some sort. Um, like the Greeks famously had three fate sisters as well. But this is Erdverdandian Skull, which is like past, present, and future. And I think it's interesting that there are the three main fates, but then there's, who are Norns, but then there's other Norns who play smaller parts in people fate, people's fates. So there's not just the three fates. There's also other fates there's uh, and some of those are elves and some of those are dwarves 
so that's kind of interesting that I think fate was really important to the Norse people and like what is fate is a very complicated question and there's a lot to think about it like is fate what you have to do do you have no choice and you know like self-fulfilling prophecies no matter what you're going to do this or is fate something you choose to do is fate one possible path that you can take and maybe it's the most honorable path you can take but it's optional um it reminds me of comes up in greek mythology as well and they had a good example when i think it was ajax was going to the trojan war and at first he didn't want to go because he knew he was going to die and it was never and he eventually was convinced to go because it's like hey you can go and be famous and fulfill your destiny or you can be some loser who everybody forgets about basically and then he went to fulfill his destiny but it was more like no you don't have to do your fate you don't have to fulfill your destiny but you should because not everyone can not everyone has this opportunity only you have the ability to fulfill your destiny but you don't have to fulfill your destiny you can fulfill your destiny and maybe you should so is that more fate or is fate more like you're forced to do this thing or that thing and what i my personal belief to simplify it as much as possible what i believe right now is fate your fate is the possible things that you can do some things are fated like set in stone like you will be born and you will die and there's no getting around that that part of fate is set in stone and you can't change we can't be immortal it just can't happen some things are set but most things we get to choose and we can embrace our fate and try to do you know what we were put here to do but I don't think it's required. It's, I think when we say it in today's society, we say destiny, like you can fulfill your destiny, but I think, I, I believe in free will. So I think that we can choose to fulfill our fate or destiny, if you like that word better. I, I think it very much has to do with that. Like there are certain things that only you can do. And I think this is true. Only you can do these certain things and you can choose to do them or not. And I think they're usually good things. So, all right, moving on. A, a very diverse parentage. I think the Norns are. They do not have a common ancestry. Some are descended from Azir. Some are descended from elves. Some are daughters of Dvalin, which descended from dwarves. So again, the the Norns or Fates have a lot of different ancestry. Uh, this kind of ties in with the Desir who are like the family spirits who watch over us. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of different spirits and forces who are helping shape our fates and our destinies and our lives and stuff like that. Okay, then spoke Gangleri. If norms determine, if norns determine the fates of men, they a lot terribly unfair when some have good and prosperous life and some have little success or glory some a long life some a short high said good norns one of noble parentage shape good lives but as for those people that become the victims of misfortune it is evil norns that are responsible that's interesting too so it's not all of the norns or fates are not good 
some are and some are or put another way some spirits are working against you and some spirits are working for you and again it's this idea that there's not I mean I know I just used the word good and evil but there's not the idea that there's good spirits and bad spirits but there are spirits some are good and some are bad just like there are people some are good some are bad um I think it's the same thing here. There are fates. Some are good and some are bad. Some are good and some are bad. Then spoke in glary. What other particular, particularly notable things are there to tell about the ash? You know, um, looking at my time, I am actually going to stop there because we. So we just finished up the whole thing about fate. Who are the fates and all of that stuff? We're moving on to other topics. And I think that's a good place to stop. So I am going to wrap it up. Um, I was a little sudden. So I guess I'll do some quick closing thoughts. I think fate's a good thing to think about. I think that there are many things working for us, trying to make our lives better. And there's many things working against us, trying to make our lives worse. You know, it's, I guess it's that way with everything. Just like people, there are good people who will make your life better, but there are bad people who will do everything they can to make your life worse. Um, it's not fair, but that's kind of the nature of the world. And I, I think that's also true with like the fates, the lesser fates, not like they're not important, but just like they're less powerful than powerful than Erd Verdandian's called. You've got norns or fates or spirits looking out for you, but you also sometimes have ones that don't want good things to happen to you um but ultimately i do think what's important is those fates the good ones and the bad ones they may make pitfalls and the good ones will make opportunities but you still have to choose to embrace that opportunity or or not i don't think the fates are an argument against free will i think it's more like the fates are the possibility possibilities that are in the world not everything's possible you know as much as you want to be a transformer you can't actually be a transformer there are some things that are just not within the realm of possibilities what the fates do and what the fates are are the ones that make things within the realm of possibility but you still have to go out there and actually decide to do the thing and i think that's like what your fate is and when you embrace your fate and decide to do the good thing that you are maybe destined to do, then that's a really positive thing. So I think I think the fates can definitely be a positive force in the world. But also, I think that there's truth that sometimes you have bad luck. Sometimes negative spirits are working against you. Everybody's life is not equally hard or difficult. Some people have it better than others. It's not... It's not fair, but it is how the world works. And if you think about it um, without the spiritual component, it also makes a lot of sense. Some people are born into rich, like financially well-off, loving families who want them to succeed and do everything they can to get them to succeed. They encourage them to go to school and be upstanding people. And they, you know, they send them to the best schools and all of this stuff and some people have parents who could care less about them 
and some people have abusive parents and you've got you've got these two people who are in wildly different situations and they don't have the same opportunities but i do think that both of those people can live their best life both of those people do have some opportunities that they can embrace but you know the person who is born into a family that doesn't really care about them is going to have to work harder that's just the nature of the world it's really not fair but i mean i do think people can overcome that and live i think everybody can live a good life and i definitely think everyone can live an honorable life i do think free will is definitely a thing but there is sort of this like some people have to work harder than other people and they're sort of getting at this getting at that with the whole fate thing and you do see it come up in the lore a lot you know a person with honorable ancestors will not have to work as hard to gain the trust of people whereas someone with dishonorable ancestors will always have to work against that it's uh it's kind of i think they call it family luck like luck goes on the family line because if you're parents have burned bridges then you can't use those bridges either until you rebuild them where if, if your parents have forged relationships you have more opportunities so as a parent i always try to do my best to make my make my kids lives easier um and i could be a terrible parent and i'm sure they'd still grow up to be good people because they have free will and they could choose to do the right thing but it will be more work for them and i don't want them to have to work as hard so i think the whole idea of fate is just sort of like there's a different possibility for everybody everybody's got a different purpose and you know you have to figure out what that is and then embrace it and then that can be a really positive thing but i think i'm rambling so i'm going to go ahead and stop i do want to thank everybody for listening i hope you got something out of this and yeah spend some time thinking about your thoughts on fate because i definitely do not think there's a right and a wrong answer and i think everybody can benefit from thinking about that so thank you for listening um oh if you want to check out my website do feel free to do that it's hugenhoff.org h-u-g-i-n-h-o-f.org you can subscribe to the rss i do release approximately every month but sometimes i'm a day or too late or early usually late um, so subscribe to the RSS feed and just fall. It just pops into your podcast podcast player of choice. And I think that's about it. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next month. Fra hell.